0: And welcome to the Science of Footy podcast. As always, you're back here with your hosts Liam and Bill here to talk some buy structures this week. How are you, Bill?
1: Yeah, doing pretty good actually. Had a good week for once, so that's a bit of an anomaly in this season for me.
0: How'd you do? How'd you score?
1: Um, let me just bring it up now. So I've done pretty well this week. Uh, I put up what is it, twenty two sixty four, which you know most weeks not a brilliant score, but passing quite low, so yeah, that was a pretty good score, that had me ranked in the top 3,000 for the week, and um, yeah, rose 13,000 spots, which I desperately needed.
0: Fantastic, and how'd your trades do? You brought in Nat Five last week?
1: Yeah, I brought in Nat Five. I think we both did, and he's paid off, you know, week one, put up 130 odd, uh, 133, uh, had him as the captain option, but ended up taking Grundy's vice captain option, so didn't need to go there, but Yeah, pretty happy with that FIFE uh, trade in there. And uh, who else did I bring in? I I don't even know. Uh, Corbett, was it? I think Corbett. He did all right. What about yourself?
0: Yeah, I brought in Fife as well. Um, we're actually nailing our captain options at the moment on uh, the Twitter page at Science Footy. Anyone who wants to look on there, we posted out Nat Fife as the obvious captain choice this week. And uh, as you said, we both traded in him and had the C on him, and big 130 out of him, which was really great to see. We also posted Josh Dunkley as our trade in target for the week, and he pushed out another big 130. So that's two weeks in a row there. He seems like he's a lock and load in the midfield now for the dogs just pumping out those scores that we saw last year
1: yeah dogs looked a lot better um last two games obviously got two wins on the board dunkley in the middle unfortunately for owners of Liber looks like he's taken Liber's spot there so double-edged sword if you got him in the team but yeah someone who owns mcrae and dunkley from the dogs i'm pretty happy at the moment
0: Speaking of McRae, we've got a lot of options at the moment in those midfield premiums that are looking really cheap. So you mentioned Jack McRae, who's all the way down, he's lost over $100,000 on his starting price down at 574000 now, put out a one thirty-five on the weekend. You assume that's probably the cheapest people are going to find him all year?
1: Yeah, I think so. And you could probably add to that Clayton Oliver um, just put up one hundred and seventy-five, so we know he's going to rise as well sitting there at 568. Um, unfortunately, I had both of them on my side all year, but yeah, they look at pretty tasty prices.
0: Yeah, Oliver's one that you highlighted in our uh, podcast where we went through all the lines and said who we thought our top eight mids for the rest of the year might be and you said Oliver's one who just needs to sort of kick into gear and get one of those high scores going and you could see him being a top eight for the rest of the year and he pretty much came out on the weekend and saluted you to that and big 175 so that's not even just sort of bringing him out of that break-even cycle that he was on but now he's going to be rising in price dramatically over the next three weeks, so probably if you're someone who likes Clayton Oliver, it's probably this week where you have to sort of jump on him, and a very similar thing can be said for Tim Kelly this week, who again put out a 160 score there on the weekend, and his price is set to rise as well on the forward line.
1: Yeah, I was just going to mention Tim Kelly there. It's a bit bit of a shame, I guess, if, if you were eyeing off these targets, McRae, Oliver, Kelly, Dunkley, you know, all of a sudden they're all put up huge scores, they're all going to rise quite quickly and you're going to have to make your choices to who you want to get in.
0: Something that might help you make those decisions is starting to look towards the buyers, which we might talk a bit about this week. So looking a bit about what your structures look like, who's having which buyers because it might be something where at the moment you're looking at your team and you can't decide between two players to trade in but then you notice that you've really got a hole in one of your buyers that you need to fill some more players of those certain teams so we might go through a bit of an exercise this afternoon looking at which players fit in which buy structures and sort of where the areas look like for most teams for where they should be filling in players but before we get talking about that and getting talking about trade-in targets we might as well start with the rookies like we do each week bill uh, as we mentioned last week it's coming a bit dry at the moment we're not really getting the influx as we got at at the start of the year, and options are sort of grim. So some people did the double ground downgrade last week. We decided not to. So for people like us, are there any options out there this week for a downgrade?
1: Yeah, it's a tough week for that, and there's not really many options that are too exciting. Um, as I do most weeks, I've gone ahead and made my trades already, and then when the teams come out, I'll reverse them if necessary. But I like to do the trades and just have them so I can visualize what the team's going to be like. Um, I have currently brought in Liam Stocker, who he's averaging 39. You know, that's not great. He just put up a 57 uh, and had four free kicks against. So I guess he sort of earned himself about 70, 75 points there. Um, Best of the bad options, I guess. He's not really an inspiring pick.
0: Yeah, I've done the exact same thing. I've traded him in and I've looked at my team and decided I hate it and I'm going to reverse it soon because, yeah, I just can't see him holding his spot. He seemed to come in for that. Cade Simpson, Nick Newman's sort of half-back style role. And we know both these boys are due to come back, and I'm, I'm sort of hoping Newman comes out and pushes him out this week. So it sort of makes the decision for us. But as you said, he sort of put out a good score on the weekend and looks like... An okay option, but I can't really see him holding his spot. So if we're looking around at other sort of places, the only other real option at the moment on the bubble is Braden Ham from the Dons. So he scored back to back 40s, so 44, 41. Only had six touches on the weekend, but SNN do have a few injuries. I think Fantasia might miss a couple of weeks with that calf now, and he could hold his spot, but his scoring is, is sort of terrible. And if we don't want to look at either Stocker or Ham, we might have to get a bit creative. So what would your opinions be on now if Haitley came back into the team this week? Would his lack of job security sort of be matched by our options at the moment and make him prime target number one if he gets a game?
1: Yeah, I think it's going to depend on on whether you can afford to hold him on your bench there in the middle if he's putting up a zero. Like, if you need him to play, then you might want to go for someone like Stocker. I'm not really sure there, but Hadley is very tempting. I'll probably make the switch to him myself. Uh, if he's named just because he really only needs one week to rise. Probably as much as stock is gonna make over his entire season. So I think if he is named we're gonna see a lot of people trading him in just because of that price rise that's bound to come.
0: And one last option for you here, a little out of the box one, but if you're someone who didn't like yourself jump on a Josh Corbett last week, is that one sixty price tag is at now? Too high? We know we missed the starting jump, but if you didn't get in Corbett last week, you went for, say, an Ainsworth like I did, could we still look at, say, a Petricelli to a Corbett still makes us over 100K and probably is someone that you can see staying in the t- team with a bit more job security there?
1: Yeah, I don't think it's too late. Um, similarly, Nick Larkey from uh, North Melbourne has also had that one price rise sitting about 170, and I was looking at going to him myself just because he's got pretty good job security, I think, should play out. Most of the rest of the year, he actually looks pretty good. Put up a 70, a 40, and then a 70. So, yeah, I think if you're looking for someone with job security, those two are pretty good options. If you're sort of more happy to just make a bit more cash on the trade and, yeah, maybe keep a zero on your bench for a while, someone like Stocker might come into play. Um, I'm definitely looking at it myself, though. Larky, if Stocker's not named, then that's definitely an option, I think, to bring in Larky in the forward line for me.
0: So when we're talking about trade-out targets, there's probably a few that have reached their time to trade out. We know Parker and Petricelli have been sort of bubbling around the forward line. It's probably around time we look at moving them. Um, Willem Drew is another one who didn't really score that highly on the weekend at a bit of a higher price. He could look at moving out. And the interesting one at the moment, Sam Walsh, because he lost us $12,000 last week. Does that concern you at all? Or do you expect him to just bubble around this price, that 101 break-even he might not reach this week? But you know, over the long run of up until the buyers, he'll sort of do enough scoring for us that it doesn't really matter.
1: Yeah, I think you can hold Walsh. Um, Currently, my trades have him going out just because that seems to be the best fit for my side at the moment, but I'd be pretty confident holding him, uh, backing him to just average around that 95-ish or something and, yeah, just to sort of hold his price. Sort of what I'm doing with Brad Crouch at the moment. He's not really putting up the scores, but I don't see him rapidly losing money I'm um, Still putting up pretty decent on-field scores, so happy to keep him round uh, with the plus side on Walsh there as well as he has that last buy, so good player to carry through the buys, play the first two rounds, and then jump off.
0: So we might talk a bit about the buys coming up. Um, We are only a few weeks away and it's probably about the right time to start looking at how your team's set up and when you're looking to bring in a few players both in your premiums and your rookie downgrades trying to get an idea of making sure that you're not stacking one buy with all your players and you'll have eight zeros one week and ruin your whole season and sort of get a bit of a jump on the competition potentially. If you're somebody who can field a full team throughout the whole buys, you might get back you know 100, 200 points in one week if you can really maximize the amount of players that you have on field. So sort of the exercise that we recommend at this stage is to get your current team, look at the amount of outs from each buy and the amount of zeros that you'd be taking on field, and then from that be able to set up a plan of, if I am to do a trade... It'd be better for me to trade out, say, rookies from this buy to decrease my number of players playing in that buy. And then if I'm bringing in players, it should be looking to bring in players from a team of another buy. And we're saying this in terms of you should still be trying to, of course, get the rookies that are going to play, not trading to someone just because they're in a team that's got a good buy, not trading to premiums you don't want long term just because they've got a good buy but say if you're throwing up an option of do I want to trade in this player now or you know wait a few weeks till after their buy and trade them in later it's a really good exercise to do so maybe we'll look a bit at a few of the different buys and sort of who's playing and which players that a lot of people have is sort of looking at maybe sitting out for a while
1: yeah so I've actually just looked at my buy structure for the first time about 10 minutes ago um It actually looks pretty good, so just dumb luck here. I haven't planned for this at all. I I really hate the buys. I never really pay too much attention to them just because they do my head in, but yeah, I'm looking in pretty good shape here. It looks like I'm going to have pretty much the right number of players across all three. Uh, What's it look like for you, Lee?
0: Yeah, pretty similar. Um, I think the thing that I did first of all when I sat down to do this was to try and get first of all a spreadsheet of the premiums who I might want to look at throughout the year and figure out which buys they all sat in and then look at the rookies and look at sort of where they all sit as well the common rookies at the moment to try and get a good idea of which buys I might be looking at for my team come a few weeks time and sort of where I want to shift my players so maybe if we just start with the first buy so that's the Essendon, Fremantle, Hawthorne, Port Adelaide, Saints, and Dogspy. And when I'm looking at, if you start with the premiums down back, I think the first thing I saw was that I didn't have any in my team at the moment at all. And when I looked at the people I might bring in, so obviously Sicily's is not in my team yet, he's a good option, and uh, Ryan from Frio is a really good option, but at the moment I was sitting there with no premiums and no rookies at all from that first buy. So that's definitely an area where I'm probably a whole lot of people are similar at the moment where... Looking at your premiums from buy one in defense, probably not a whole lot of people in a lot of teams at the moment.
1: Yeah, I think so. Just looking at my side as well, the only player in the defensive line I'll have missing in that first week is Xavier Dersmer. Um, no guarantees to really even be in my side at that point. But I think, as you mentioned, there's a few good week one buy premiums, Sicily, uh, Ryan, that people could be looking to get in once they do play that buy Um yeah, I think on the flip side I'm going to be having quite a few defensive premiums missing in the third week there with uh, Whitfield, Williams, Brody Smith.
0: Yeah, I th- I think you're exactly right and I think depending on the teams by 2 might be a bit of an issue there as well. So we've got people like Darcy Moores in a lot of teams, we've got obviously Lloyd and Hearn in a lot of teams there, and then a whole lot of people around the cusp, like your Riches, Stewarts, Salem's, Witherdens in a few teams. So depending on structures, I definitely think by two and by three is sort of looking at the one where most people will have their premiums. So when we're looking at the defensive options, I'd say that if you're looking to trade, sort of downgrade your players or upgrade your players to premiums. Maybe be looking to move those players to people with that first week buy, if it's possible. So if you're looking at, or oh, should I upgrade to, say, a Sicily or a Hearn or a Sicily or a Laird or someone, and then you look and find that all of your premiums are sitting in one buy, it might be a good time to choose a Sicily or a Ryan as a point of difference. Spreading out the amount of players in your buy so you can field more people each week really could be a good option in defence, and I know that personally my defence is looking like that, so... Cicely and Ryan are two people that I'll be looking at for buy structures to maybe move someone like a Marty Hoare down the line who's in my in my middle buy bracket, which is a bit stacked at the moment. And sort of, if I'm looking to upgrade someone there, looking at um, some of these boys from the first buy from defences, potentially an option that people can look at.
1: I think, uh, yeah, one of the other ways to go about it is looking at where you're going to have a lot of players missing on a specific line. Um and for me, I'm not sure how it looks for you, Liam, but for me, that's midfield in week three. Uh, I'm down to only four players, and that's including Charlie Constable, who might not really be getting a game at that point in time. So uh, I guess the strategy there is the reverse, looking at people who have already played their bias by that point in time and a good trade-in targets. Um, this also works in the rucks, so a lot of people, obviously, who don't have Max score will be looking to get him in before that last week.
0: Yeah, I think with that Rux is like a very interesting one because we know a lot of people are running Riley O'Brien or Goldstein in that second position and they're playing the last buy. So you can obviously set up that middle week where Grundy or Gorn, whichever one you don't have, has already played their buy and then you want to be trading your extra R2 to the Grundy or Gorn in that week between their buys. So you're pretty much having that premium on field all the way throughout the buys if you time that trade correctly. So if you know that's something you want to do, that's something you'll need to plan in advance for. So try and understand of how much money you need and get that in the bank to make that trade. But if you want to maximize your players playing through the buys, that's something you're going to have to think about very early. So as you said, there's no real ruck buy structure apart from that you can't be trading in people from r1 from you know the buy one just because you want to fix your buy structure that's really the main strategy i think in terms of buys for the ruckman is just trying to time that trade if you're going to make it maybe not trading to say a gone now before his buy waiting until after that buy to pull the trigger might be a very interesting option for coaches out there
1: Yeah, and similarly, I think looking at which rookies um, you're wanting to carry through the buys. So we just mentioned, obviously, Walsh being a good example where he plays those first two and then missing the last one, you know, easy jump off there to a premium. Um, similarly, people who have their buy in the first two weeks. So just looking at my own team here, for example, Maddie Parker will have the buy in the first week. Uh, then he plays the next two. So he's a good option there if you're looking for someone to cull. Yeah. Um, it's complex, though, because, I mean, just looking at my side now, I know there's going to be changes in between now and when the buys start, so don't forget to take that into account.
0: Yeah, definitely, and I, th- I think that's completely right. You need to be sure that your team's going to be malleable. You just need to sort of have a look at which areas where if you have the choice to know where you want to swing it. So something we did uh, before this podcast was we got on and we looked at every premium with, or commonly... Uh, bought player in the competition that's at a higher price tag, and also all of the common rookies, and sort of did a spreadsheet of which buys they sit in. And what you sort of find is that combined between all of the players that people commonly have, when you're looking at the first buy, uh most of these players are going to be sitting uh in the forward line. That's where your issue is going to be. So in the forward line, in the first buy, you've got a whole lot of players in your Dunkley, Billings, Boak, Warple, Walters, Mundy. Daniel, these sort of premiums there, and you've also got a few of your common rookies like Drew and Parker. So in that first buy, you might have to look at getting a few of these premiums if you're upgrading maybe outside of that first buy in your forward line, because that looks a bit stacked. As we mentioned in the second buy, it's sort of the defense that's looking a bit potentially in trouble with a lot of common uh, premiums that we said, like your Lloyds and your Hearns and your Moores down there, as well as all of the common rookies like uh, Hoare and Lockhart and Clark down there in the back line. And then it's sort of the midfield, for me at least, what I'm looking at coming the third bias, So people with the Crouch brothers, with Cripps, um, with your Coniglios and Kellys perhaps. Uh, filling those roles. And of course, that's the same buy as um, Walsh, who a lot of people are looking at holding for a while. So really getting an idea of which of these lines look stacked from one of these buys. So you can look at trading in people who sit outside it. One interesting thing I saw from this list when I was looking at it was the amount of Ford premiums that are sort of sitting in that final buy. Where if we look at the players from, you know, your Crows, Blues, Suns, Giants, North and Tigers, there's not really any Ford premiums that I can see there, except for an interesting case that we talked about last week in Jeremy Cameron, who was an interesting one that we said, is he a potential premium? He's the, probably the only one sitting there with a premium buy structure for your Ford line in your final week, Bill. Does that make him more tempting at all for you?
1: Yeah, I think you asked me this question last week and I said, yeah, he's in good form, jump on, and he's kind he's of had a terrible weekend, so I don't think anyone actually listened to us in terms of trade options, but if they did, then uh, apologies there. So what you're really talking about here is uh, bringing people in for that last bite, is that correct?
0: Yeah, so trying to look for a premium in that last buy for your forward line maybe. If you're someone who has a stacked set of premiums in your first and second and you want to sort of swing another player, another premium from that last buy in the forward line, can't really see many options up there. But he was a very interesting one that sort of stood out
1: um, being at the top of the table there in terms of averages at the moment. So just to clarify here, Liam, what you're talking about is players who are missing that third week and will be playing in the first two weeks.
0: Yeah, so having some players, obviously, you'd be trading in before his buy if you're getting someone like this playing in the uh, who has their buy in the third week. But that means that they will be playing in that earlier week where a lot of your of your premiums might be missing.
1: Yeah, so yeah, not a huge amount of options. I mean, I'm looking at my third week, all my premiums will be playing then. Uh, Boat Kelly Dunkley Dangerfield Heaney, I've got at the moment. So yeah, in terms of those first two weeks, I guess you're looking at Cameron. Um, well, who else is there? I mean, you've got the Crows, maybe Tom Lynch, but not really what you'd call premium, I guess. Um, it's pretty bare up there, isn't it?
0: Yeah, so these are just the sort of exercises where it's sort of interesting to look at. You might look at your forward line and find, oh, no, I've got Dunkley, Billings, Boak, as you mentioned, all these players. I'm running Walters and Warple, so I'm not going to have anyone playing in that first week. So if that is the case and you're looking to trade in, say, a player like caleb daniel you might think oh instead maybe it would be better for me to trade in uh tim kelly who's got the next buy for instance so that you've got that extra player playing in the first week um and it spreads out your players a little bit better
1: so one of the other things i think to take into account when we're looking at our buys is how many zeros we're carrying just in general so one thing i noticed when i was doing mine i i sort of just did it visually like you know opened up paint and crossed out players when they're going to be missing and Um, found myself having to cross out Scott on the bench there every single week so currently he's a donut um, which doesn't really bother me week to week at the moment but come the buys that might be a bit of an issue
0: yeah I think that's a fantastic thing to do I did the exact same thing and I've got Jordan Sweet as my captain loophole something that we love to have during the year is that captain loophole to make it a bit easier for us but we've also got to notice that those perma zeros are the players who are going to be perma zeros in our buys as well um and that's exactly what we're talking about when we're saying trading in ham and stocker might be a bit dangerous going forward because if they're not playing in the buys, we could lose way more points than what we're gonna get in a few weeks of getting that downgrade upgrade if we've got these players that we've got to carry
1: through the buys. Yeah, so job security a bit of a prioritization there, but I mean looking ahead at the rookies, it's obviously hard to tell before it happens, but we're not seeing a lot. I've seen Brett Bewley named a couple of weeks in a row there, Um, he might be close but yeah it looks like we're getting some slim pickings here which might even potentially encourage people to hold players like Parker for example who we know is probably going to keep his spot Um, even if it means you know when you do trade him out you're getting a little bit less cash for him could potentially be valuable to hold him for job security or someone of his ilk.
0: Yeah, I'm starting to even think that at this point in the season, we're always advocating you keep your downgrade upgrade cycle continuing because you don't want to be a premium down for the whole year. But at the moment, I'm looking at probably the people downgrading, upgrading at the moment might have two or three weeks where they're going to get players who won't play through the buys. And if I'm pretty happy with my rookies at the moment, I might be making up whatever points I lose in that downgrade upgrade cycle just in these buys if I'm able to keep the good rookies in my team. So currently I'm I'm actually questioning whether I should hold off this week if there's no one for me to downgrade to maybe I use the kitty that I've got in the bank to do say a small upgrade if I can afford you know to swing if it is say a Walsh up to a you know a fallen premium there that we were talking about someone at the 550k might be someone you can get to from Walsh through the 100k without doing a downgrade Maybe it's the time in the season to look at doing that and then waiting to see if we do have a Buley or someone playing this week doing a downgrade upgrade to them early in the future.
1: Yeah, it's a point I've been considering as well, um, especially looking at who's still sort of premiums that are available for a bit cheap. So as I mentioned before, I like to do my trades early. I've already brought in Josh Kelly this week, but had a bit of a second guess uh, throughout this. and may thinking that someone like a Rockcliffe who is still a, a good you know $130,000 cheaper could be a good option there where you're still still bringing in a premium, maybe not as great a premium as before, but keeping that cash and not having to downgrade to someone like a stocker, as we mentioned, who may not really play throughout the buys.
0: Yeah, it's interesting as we sort of flagged at the start of the year where if you've had your eye on someone you might be close to being priced out on those players if you wait too long. So Tim Kelly is one that's not in my team at the moment who's putting up 160s in every other forward line, which is you know crazy different to the 20 of Parker that I'm playing on field at the moment. So he was one that I was really looking hard to getting in. But if I can't do the downgrade upgrade, you might have to try and get a bit... Um, you know, a bit different in order to get them in. Like, I could look at, you know, swinging a set of field into the midfield and straight trading a Walsh to a Kelly if I've got some cash and can make that trade. Maybe that's something I would choose to look at doing instead of doing a downgrade upgrade of, you know, your Atkins down and your Petricelli up or something. If there's no one for me to trade to, I might look at trying to swing around my dual positions and, yeah, maybe sacrificing someone like Walsh in order to get Kelly in without resorting to getting some of these rookies that might lose their spot in the team in the future.
1: And so I guess if we are looking for cheaper rookies, maybe we could run a few options. Just obviously mentioned Rockcliffe um, there. I know that, Liam, uh, you've recently brought in Hoaldi and he's done okay for you. Uh, he's still pretty cheap as well.
0: Yeah, um, very interesting one. I obviously brought him in from that When Scrimshaw was dropped and I didn't have the cash to get to Laird or any of the players that I wanted to get to, so I brought in Hooley as a bit of a speculative pick there. And he he went about the 70 in that game that Richmond got smashed, but he came out on the weekend and put out a 105 or so in a really good performance from him. He was working really hard to get that sort of, you know, handball on the outside, you know, cheap little possession. He was running really hard to get those link-up plays using the ball out of the back line. So if you're looking for a very cheap option, he's still available at a bit of that discount price. Um... As we mentioned in the midfield, you're sort of looking for that 550 price tag as sort of the cheapest you can sort of get to for a lot of these premiums. You mentioned Rockcliffe, but in terms of, you know, your Olivers and your Kellys and your McCrays, they're sort of sitting at that price. And in the forward line, I'm not too sure who the cheap ones are. I think Dunkley's still the one at about 515 k there, which is still probably the cheapest of those primo primos that you can look for.
1: I think maybe down back there's a few more options, so um, Harris Andrews, $415,000 um, potentially if you've got the faith still in him, and then I guess people are going to be getting in Whitfield at about $500 and, and Lloyd at about 550 pretty soon, so they're obviously quite pricey as well, but yeah, probably just worth a look I think for people to try and find some of those premiums that are maybe a bit cheaper that might be a good option still. Yeah,
0: and it goes without saying, if you know that Whitfield
1: is a couple of weeks away
0: and you've got one rookie that you think is going to be a good stepping stone and not many others, obviously you need to wait your upgrades with that in mind. So if you've got a player that you think this is the one that is going to let me get up to Whitfield when he bottoms out, maybe don't use that player to go up to somebody else this week so that you can use that player in two weeks' time to get to Whitfield, maybe upgrade in your forward line instead for now. And sort of keeping an eye to the future in terms of the players that you will want to bring in so you know how to structure um, your players in that retrospect. Because I know I've been caught out earlier in the year, so downgrading a bit early in the midfield and then being like, I wish I still had that player to get to a fallen premium in the midfield that I liked uh, a couple of weeks later.
1: So I guess uh, we'll maybe roll into what our moves are for this week. Um, have you got anything that you really think of, Liam, or perhaps no trades?
0: Yeah, I'm I'm sort of flirting with the no trades, and sort of talk myself throughout the podcast into the potential of maybe swing a Walsh into a Tim Kelly via my DPP and the cash I've got in the bank without a downgrade. Uh, currently at the moment in my team what I've done is a downgrade of Atkins in the midfield to Stocker which allowed me to go Drew to Kelly but the longer I've thought about it I really don't trust Stocker enough so I think I'll be either looking for the set upgrade with no downgrade at the moment or potentially even holding um, is probably where I'm at at the moment. Uh, what are you thinking of?
1: Yeah, similar lines really. I'm looking at Stocker, um, potentially one up, one down. So maybe Butters to Stocker, uh, Walsh to Kelly, um, Josh Kelly in the midfield there. Or, yeah, depending on where the Stocker gets named, um, I have the cash to bridge from Walsh to Rockcliffe in one trade and then hold off, or, or downgrade uh, even potentially Parker to Larky if I'm liking his job security going forward, which I do. So. Yeah, a few options to have a think over, but it is, as you mentioned, if if we're not really too so sure on Stocker's job security, then it is pretty tempting to just take that one side trade, Walsh to Rockcliffe, I think.
0: And we might as well talk about captains before we leave it there. Um, is there anyone at the moment that you're looking at which seems like a fantastic option for either your vice captains or your captains this week?
1: I think the last couple of weeks I've had the vice captain on Brody Grundy and I think almost every single one of those weeks I've ended up taking his score, so probably gonna leave it on Brody Grundy again. I think. He's um yeah, he's just putting up good numbers every week and I think he's got the Saints this week, so up against Marshall who has been scoring well but not necessarily your elite ruck that you're really worried about Grundy coming up against, I don't think.
0: Yeah, I think that's a fantastic vice-captain option there for anyone who's got Grundy in the team. And I think when I'm looking at my captain options for later in the week, I really can't look past uh Rockcliffe coming up against Gold Coast on the Sunday. Here are a list of Rockcliffe scores at home this year. He scored a 116, a 140, a 100, and a 122, so crack the ton every single week at home. And here's a list, which is absolutely crazy, of premium midfielders versus Gold Coast this year. We had go 154, Neil 142, Cripps 169, McRae 139, Fife 124, Oliver 175 on the weekend, and if you take every single game from the premium midfields against Gold Coast this year, they're averaging 141 across those, uh what have we had, seven games so far, so I think that Rockcliffe might just rack it up at will against Gold Coast on the Sunday, I think is a fantastic option for your captains
1: out there if he's in your team. Yeah, pretty compelling numbers Um, Another one I'd probably throw in there Looking at those Sunday games is GWS against Carlton Uh, We've just seen Josh Kelly, if he's in your team I think he's only in about 3% or 4% Expect that to go up a little bit this week But if you do have him, I think He's fresh off a 150 And then he put up that 200 game Pretty sure that was against Carlton last year So one to keep in mind
0: Yeah, fantastic.
1: He's one that I sort of wish
0: was in my team at this point. Can't really seem to figure out how to fit him in over some other players that I'm looking at getting in, but definitely if you're someone who's able to snap him up as a slight point of difference there and get the double bonus out of that with the captaincy, that could be a fantastic
1: move for this week. All right, that's probably all we have time for this week. Uh, Yeah, pretty devastating week of Supercoach, I think, for a a lot of people, quite a few injuries there. We had Ross go down. Um, I think in our own teams, Liam, we've both got Matt Crouch there who's probably going to be one missing potentially a week or two there, something to worry about. So, yeah, he's hoping for a little less carnage this weekend and we'll see you next week on the Science of Footy podcast.